At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. you ready for college and pro football. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. You heard it, second hour of the Football Betting Guy. We're going to be here on Sundays, 3 p.m. Pacific time. Old spot, of course, Harvard Handicappers. Don't worry, though. Harvard Handicappers podcast still exists. New episode up tomorrow as we recap the Summer League. The New York Knicks. Uh, Brian Ortega's favorite basketball team? I don't know. You got some New York tickets. You got some New Yorks in there. No? Yeah. Okay, okay. So you're like, wow, that's, that's an interesting mix. It's an interesting mix. Uh, we won't put you on blast for it, though. All right, so we have plenty left to get to in this second hour. 30 minutes from now, Matt Humans is going to join us, get his thoughts on his top college football win totals. And, of course, we begin our preview of the divisions in the National Football League. We begin with the NFC West. So have a team-by-team breakdown of that. As um, There's some interesting teams in the NFC West, some interesting teams. We'll say that. It has gone from a very deep division to deep-ish uh, but not in contention, I would say at least, for the deepest division in the National Football League. So we begin our previews of the conferences, the Power Fives, of course, while it's still the Power Fives, uh, in alphabetical order, the ACC up on deck here today. And uh, not a surprise, as we start at the top, Clemson, the odds-on favorite to win this thing. And these are numbers courtesy of DraftKings, minus 120. Coming up behind them, Miami Hurricanes, a plus 550. NC State follows them at 8-1, to one, Pitt 9-1. to one. Then you get into the double digits. That's where the kind of the gap is, right? North Carolina 15 to 1, Wake Forest 18 to 1, and then another gap with the rest of the teams. And then you start to get into well into double digits and whatnot, as you see right there. Kind of the cutoff at about 18 to 1, where Louisville's at 28 to 1, Virginia 35 to 1, Florida State, Boston College, Virginia Tech, and the triple digits, and even longer after that. So we start at the top, and it's hard not to at this point because it's Clemson. Clemson is a proven program, and we know about the national titles and how well they have been performing over the last better part of a decade. But here's the thing now, right? Coming off of what they would consider, I think a lot of programs would die for it, but a very poor season, 10-3, and didn't win its division, bring back 15 starters from last year's team, nine back on offense, which was, I would argue, very much that the unit was that held them back throughout a majority of the year. A win total for the Tigers of 10.5 shaded to the over at minus 130. ACC win total of 6.5 shaded to the over at minus 185. And you start, of course, with what you expect out of this offense as you move into 2022 because it was pretty brutal for 2021. Uh, the, t- the Tigers only put up 5.2 yards per play, 26.3 yards per game, by far lows for a season that we have seen in many, many years. DJ Uyunglele did not pass for 250 or more yards all season. Finished with 2,246 yards, nine touchdowns, 10 interceptions. So I think you start there in terms of quarterback play, what you're going to get out of DJ Uyunglele and what you expect from him. 
And you would assume the starter going into next year, and probably the case, the depth chart, again, is talented for Clemson, but I think you go uh, with DJU outside of what you have to offer there. And if he is going to perform better, because while this offensive line wasn't great, and we all remember that first game, of course, where Georgia just picked them apart, absolutely demolished them, uh, Uyunglele did not perform well in his own right either. There was some tentativeness when it came to, I thought, throwing the ball downfield, decision-making, when and when not to pull the ball down and run when it came to openings along the offensive line. And the offensive line itself, uh, we'll call it a shuffling nightmare, uh, whether it's injuries or lack of uh, solid play. The interior was really, really poor, at least in terms of some consistency with bodies and availability, even down as the year went along, especially as he got a little bit healthier uh, down the stretch. But still, when you focus on what went wrong for Clemson last year, I think you start with the offensive line, you start with their quarterback play, and you go from out that because – there's plenty of talent at the skill positions, especially when you talk about the backfield, Bill Shipley. The real question is going to be the improvement of DJU and what this offense looks like with a little bit better depth and with better health, because I think that's a big question for them as they move into next year. And if you fix what's wrong with the offensive line, well, then the spotlight is focused supremely on your quarterback and if he can improve as a passer downfield, which was one of his bigger weaknesses a season ago. Now, defensively, first and foremost, I think you start with Brent Venables is gone. Right? Brett Venables has been the guy calling the shots for this defense for a while. It was a unit that carried them last year. Wes Goodwin takes over as defensive coordinator with Venables gone over to Oklahoma. Uh, only six starters are back, a vast majority of those starters along this defensive line for Clemson. But up front, if you have a strength in Clemson and the defensive line, they're synonymous with one another in terms of strength, it's a really good place to start. With four starters of the six back along the defensive line, should be one of the better units out there. Their linebacking core this is where you get beat up, right? Their linebacking core decimated. James Skalski, Balen Spector, three starters in the secondary, all gone. Uh, that includes secondary, or excuse me, second round pick out of the secondary, Andrew Booth. So that's where I always have, for me at least, when it comes to evaluating teams as you move into the next year. And guys like Paul Stone, all these college football handicappers, Brad Powers, they're way better doing this uh, than I am. But when it comes to projecting forward for replacing talent, and teams like Clemson, teams like Alabama, teams like Georgia. Oh, oh, like oh boy, yes, it sucks. They're losing so much talent, and they're replacing them with more four- and five-star guys. I get that. But at the same time, they are still, for the most part, if we're larger sample sizes, somewhat unknowns. You also have a new guy calling shots in Goodwin. So I think where I'm not going to sit here and say Clemson's defense is cooked. No, by any stretch, it's not the case. But I think you do start with, hey, man, look, this is a team that offensively, you're wondering what the growth is going to be like at the most important position and if this offensive line is going to be better because those are some atrocious numbers for this team that we saw a year ago. And defensively, your guy and Brent Venables is gone and you lose a good chunk of talent, your linebacking core and your secondary. When you're talking about 10 and a half wins on the win total, when you're talking about minus 120 to win a conference, when you're talking about shorter odds to win a title, those are the hairs that you split, I think, when you're talking about a team like Clemson. And when you look at their 10 and a half, you know, in their win total there, they're non-conference schedule, devoid of any real primetime like sexy matchups. We're talking about what Furman. You see it there. Georgia Tech to start. Furman, Louisiana Tech. You open up conference play against Wake Forest. Some of their tougher matchups on paper: NC State, Miami. You get them at home, as you see there. So that's a positive for you. Um, Boston College, Florida State, Notre Dame, and Wake Forest are those road games in conference. So those aren't really uh, massive hills to climb. Notre Dame uh, on paper seems to be the biggest challenge for them when it comes to road games on this schedule. And so. We put this all together. You can expect improvement from the offense. Whatever it is, I would expect some improvement from this offense, right? Um, a defense that I guess maybe regresses to a certain extent, but still I would assume projects to be a very elite defense. You get you get why you're up there in terms of 10 and a half 
for a win total for Clemson, shaded to the over at minus 130, or 6.5 for a conference win total, shaded to the over at minus 185. But personally, I would have some reservation in terms of laying minus 130 or minus 185 on a conference win total, just given that, hey, you know what? Like, we're assuming some improvement from the offense. We don't know to what degree. And this defense, new defensive coordinator, and a bunch of new pieces on the back end, I think you sit back and you go, you know, maybe I don't want to lay prices on over on both of these kind of win totals, especially ones juiced to 6.5 minus 185 the way that it is. And then you start to look on the rest of the conference, right? Like Miami, for example. Miami, win total 8.5, shaded to the under, buck 20. ACC win total of 5.5, also shaded to the under. A lot of people like this Miami team. You see it in terms of the betting market. I was initially hesitant on the hype and still kind of am when it comes to Mario Cristobal adding victories at the margins. Cristobal, in terms of some coaching decisions, I mean, kind of shaky at his time at Oregon. But still, Tyler Van Dyke seems to be a legitimate college quarterback. 2,900 yards, 25 and 6 in the last nine starts. Offensive line should be strong. Three starters back. And to give Cristobal credit, he always builds up offensive lines very well. I think you question what Van Dyke looks like without his top two wide receivers back. That includes Charleston Rambo. But he looked legit in terms of his skill set. And the defense has some great pieces as well. But up front, you're kind of building it together with some transfers, especially along the defensive line. They do bring back their top two tacklers, though. That really helps you out. But you kind of get why you would buy in a little bit to Miami being pretty good here. But in terms of challenging Clemson and maybe winning this conference, I think you do have some question marks there. Non-conference schedule also brings some challenges to Miami. Texas A&M on the road. They get both Clemson and Pitt. That's pretty tough. Uh, this year with the matchup against Clemson coming on the road as well for Miami. So that, I think, is a little bit of a roadblock in terms of going over their win totals. The rest of the schedule does set up somewhat well. You're talking about UNC, Duke, FSU, the rest of their home schedule. Um, so overall... Conference win total seems kind of high in terms of the number, so I think it's properly shaded to the under the way that it is for Miami, and we're leading under on the number of ACC wins set at 5.5. I just, again, when you're talking about winning at the margins with Mario Cristobal, how much does he actually add, and Tyler Van Dyke, as well as he played, his top two targets being gone, replacing that production and what that means for him, I think is going to be a question mark. The team that I think you're really intrigued by in all of this is NC State. A uh, ACC best, 17 starters back from a team that went 9-3 and three last year. 6-2 and two in ACC play, by the way. Among those back, of course, is Devin Leary. 3,400 yards last year, 35 touchdowns, 5 interceptions. Offensive line, four of, uh, four of five guys are back. Of course, uh, their best guy gone is a first-round pick in the NFL draft. And their top target departs, but still, defensively, NC State loaded. The entire secondary is back. Their leading tackler is back, a linebacker. One starter gone along their defensive line. There's so much key returning production for NC State, and it's bought into that market there too. As you see, eight and a half shaded to the over at minus 145 or minus 150. And the road games in ACC can be challenging. The game against Clemson, by the way, it's a big revenge spot, of course, for the Tigers. Louisville is going to be better this year. UNC would be close to, I would assume, from a power rating standpoint, like a pick 'em spot. They avoid Miami and Pitt, which is going to help them out a lot. Given the schedule, uh, I think you totally understand why. This win total has been priced you know, over 8.5 at minus 145 or minus 150. I think NC State's a very good candidate to win double-digit games potentially this year if the schedule breaks right for them. And, they, of course, with the returning production, they can actually really contribute and I think perform at a really high level. And I've kind of sorted these guys out in like terms of the contenders, right? We're kind of going over the top four teams. And we just went through three of them, right? Clemson, Miami, NC State. I think NC State's got a more, a more viable option when you talk about winning the ACC and the prices there at 8-1 to one than opposed to Miami at plus 550. And then you get into Pitt. Pitt's just kind of interesting, right? We know about uh, Addison, who goes to USC, Jordan Addison, the receiver. Kenny Pickett, of course, a first-round selection uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Keaton Slovis comes over as a transfer, and Keaton Slovis kind of dropped off uh, in his last year for USC. So I think there's definitely 
questions about how this offense bounces back with two primary pieces, quarterback, wide receiver, not here. But I think you know you can believe in Pitt defensively. But for me, when you're talking about Slovis, a quarterback, what that means for this team in the big picture, I do have some reservations about Pitt being as highly rated as they are because, again, in today's world, especially with the way the football is being played, I get it, right? Your defense is really good, and it means a little bit more in college. But at the end of the day, your offense is a needle mover with the way the the football is played nowadays. And if you have questions at quarterback and his top target, that leaves me a little bit more lukewarm on a team uh, like the Pitt Panthers. So if we're going down the board in this ACC, I think NC State is a viable team here to not only go over the win total, but challenge Clemson potentially if you get the right price. And again, you get them in the range of about 8-1. to one. All right, we'll come back. Uh, Matt Humans again joining us in 15 minutes. So let's start our NFC West preview with the top two teams, the Rams and the 49ers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back. This segment of the Football Betting Guide brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, the simpler way to experience nicotine satisfaction and enjoy lasting change on your terms. Zen Nicotine Pouches are a fresher, simpler way to enjoy nicotine that have helped millions of people achieve lasting change by offering smoke-free and spit-free satisfaction. I don't know about you, but there have been times in life where I needed to make a change. I knew I needed to make a change, but I just wasn't ready yet. I'm sure a lot of smokers and dippers out there can relate. Zinn understands there isn't one right time to make a change. Everyone's timeline is a little different. Everyone's on their own journey, man. So whenever you feel like you're ready to take the first step toward change, Zinn will be there for you with the right strength, the right flavor, at the right time. If you're thinking about making a change and want to learn more today, check out Zinn Nicotine Pouches at Zinn.com. That's Z-Y-N.com. Warning, the product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. It's a football betting guide. Here on Visa, the Sports Betting Network. Get ready for football season. It's here. Football season's here. All right, Hall of Fame game is weeks away. I uh, cannot wait for it. It's in the air, right? We're getting ready. Look, you enjoy Major League Baseball, but once you get to this point when we're in the All-Star break, he might as well play the World Series now, right? Let's just get this thing over with because football's king, baby. All right, so uh, throughout these shows, figure as we go along, uh, we're going to preview a division every Sunday because we don't have a lot of time together until the football season begins. wanted to start with the NFC West. Um, I don't know why. I just picked it out of the hat, and so we're going to go here. So let's start big picture in terms of setting up the odds to win the NFC West. Don't think it would be any surprise any of you to learn the Los Angeles Rams, if you didn't know already, were favored to win the NFC West at plus 125. These numbers, courtesy of DraftKings, you see them right there up on your board. Now, depending on where you shop around and whatnot for division odds, uh, let's see. 
Did I get this out of order? I think I've got the San Francisco 49ers as the second choice on the board to win the division over at DraftKings at uh, plus 150. Then the Arizona Cardinals. I'll make sure I've got this right, though, because I want to be correct. Yeah, so plus 125 for the Rams. 49ers at plus 150. Cardinals at 4-1. to one, And the Seattle Seahawks at 8-1. to one. We can agree that the Seahawks are the worst team in the NFC West, I believe. Um, so that's where we stand there. So let's talk about this team by team, uh, and then we'll kind of wrap it up with what we think or what I think might happen here. So first off, let's talk with the Rams. You saw on that board, right? 11-1 to win the Super Bowl. Conference at 5-1. to one. Again, these numbers courtesy of one shop, DraftKings. A win total of 10.5 shaded to the overall minus 115, and a minus 250 favorite to make it to the playoffs, the Los Angeles Rams. And when you evaluate the Rams' roster, I think when you start about it, like the core of the Super Bowl team being back, obviously we know is really good, right? Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. However, when you start to really look at it, I think at least, you start to see why, because everybody made a big deal in the offseason, right? Like the Rams, do they have a salary cap? How do they keep doing this? What's going on? But when you start to look a little bit deeper in some of these positions, you realize the price that you pay if you're the Los Angeles Rams. You know, for example, wide receiver depth. Cup, Allen Robinson, solid. Dan Jefferson, okay. If you look at it from like a PFF grading standpoint or any other metric, like there's some questions about like, hey, if that's your third receiver. But it's not only that Van Jefferson is your third receiver, but there's a stark drop-off after those guys. And if you want to include Tyler Higby in terms of some of that depth, that tight end, okay, that's fine. But I think you still question about, okay, like, what does some of this wide receiver depth look like for the Los Angeles Rams as the series progresses? And, of course, remember, uh, this is an arduous season. It is 17 games. Uh, it's somewhat tough. The offensive line, remember, in the offseason, did deal with some departures. Andrew Whitworth, retired. Austin Corbett, left in free agency. A uh, larger expectation for guys like Joe Noteboom, who only played 279 snaps last year, and their rookie, Logan Bruss, third-round selection out of Wisconsin, expected to be starters for the Los Angeles Rams as they come into this season. And on defense, I think you have real questions about, especially, I think, for me, the biggest thing that sticks out about this defense, because the linebacking core is really solid, especially with the addition of Bobby Wagner. We obviously know how good Aaron Donald is, and Jalen Ramsey is arguably the best corner in the National Football League. But I think they're really hurting for depth and talent on uh, on their edge, right? If you look at it, Leonard Floyd, solid. But Terrell Lewis, Justin Hollins, Chris Garrett, didn't grade better by PFF standards at a 58.8 when it comes to pass rush. That's a really big question mark. Aaron Donald accounts for a lot. And a lot of these pass rushers, a lot of the times, you'll get those cleanup sacks, right? Because one guy can generate a lot of chaos if he's good enough. And Aaron Donald is damn sure good enough. But I think for me, the questions for the Rams would be depth. If you suffer an injury of any kind, uh, how much is that drop off at that certain position? And your pass rush. Outside of Aaron Donald in the interior, where is the rush of your pass rush coming from, specifically on the edges? Are you going to generate a strong rush along the edge? And I have questions about whether the Rams are going to be able to do that this coming year. The win total and the schedule. The beginning of their schedule is a slog, too, for the L.A. Rams. I mean, look at this. You open against Buffalo. We talked about that, right, when we were talking about market power ratings. You're only a one-point favorite in that game. Oh, that's a coin flip. You play Arizona and San Francisco weeks three and four, back-to-back road games. Dallas in week five. So you get back-to-back divisional road games. And then Dallas on the tail end of that. I mean, look at that. Yes, and there's the Falcons wrapped in there, but to play the Bills, Cardinals, 49ers, both on the road, and the Cowboys, those are some pretty tough contests, and as we call them, probably coin flip spots, with two very winnable games against the Falcons and the Panthers at home before you get to your bye week. Along with the rest of the schedule, think about some of the rest of the opponents that this team is going to have to face as well. You get a road game against the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, road game against the New Orleans Saints, road game against the Kansas City Chiefs, road game against the Green Bay Packers. That's brutal when you're talking about evaluating this schedule and asking, okay, 
They're going to match 12 wins from last year. Not even match 12 wins. Remember, their win total is set at about 10.5. So when you're saying, hey, on the surface, it's the Rams. They win 11 games or something like that. Think about all of the coin flip spots they'll be in, all the tough road matchups that they're going to have. And like for me, right, I came into evaluating the NFC West and the Rams thinking, looking at the price and going, you know, the way I evaluate some of these teams, I think the Rams, you could argue, should be a little bit closer to like even money to win this division. But then you realize how hard their schedule is going to be and how much of a challenge it is and how thin they could potentially be at key positions like edge rusher. And you realize like, yeah, you know what? 10 and a half, I, 11 wins, it's going to be a challenge. 11 wins can still totally win this division. But when you're asking and thinking that this Rams team is competing for a one seed in the NFC, they totally still could. They could win these coin flip spots. But it's much more of a challenge when you start to break it down from that perspective. So for the Rams, the rightful favorite came into this thinking that plus 125 was some really good value on them to win this division. And it ultimately still could be the case. But a lot of those questions result, like reside, and that gap between them and the rest of the division, reside with, for me with San Francisco. And that's the second team we're going to talk about here. Because when you look at San Francisco and – Moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo, for me, I evaluated the 49ers as a team without Jimmy G. All signs point to San Francisco not having Jimmy Garoppolo once this season begins. And we talked about this when we talked about our market power ratings, and you see the conference odds there. Personally, I find it hard to evaluate the 49ers as, according to these odds at least, the fourth best team in the NFC, given what we don't know about what the quarterback position is going to be like. And then you start to look at their roster as well. Offensive line as well has some new questions, uh, some new faces, and some question marks. Alex Mack retired. Lakin Tomlinson is gone, left via free agency. The center position is up for grabs at camp. Trent Williams is awesome at left tackle. We know how good he is. But the rest of this depth, remember, like if you remember, according to some of the numbers last year, from a pass blocking perspective, the 49ers did at times last year have some issues. Jimmy Garoppolo was under pressure on 167 uh, of his dropbacks last year. I was going to say 167%. That would be wild. Uh, no, 167 of his dropbacks last year. There's about 30% of his dropbacks he was deemed under pressure. And if this line can't hold up under pressure with a guy like Trey Lance, then I think you're kind of in a rough transition as the full-time starter. But I think there are things to like about San Francisco. That's not to sell them short in any way whatsoever because when you evaluate the rest of the positions, you can see why, to a certain extent, why a market might like them, why betters might like them. Skill positions, of course, obviously you start with Debo Samuel. Uh, whether or not they're going to let him play out in terms of this contract situation or maybe give him an extension, that remains to be seen. That effect on this team remains to be seen. Uh, but you like Brandon Ayuk, Juwan Jennings. Like, I think there's really a lot to like at wide receiver in the skill positions that the San Francisco 49ers have. There's also the fact uh, that Kyle Shanahan clearly is a guy that can maximize his roster overall when you talk about that. But when you look at San Francisco and the way that they're potentially rated, and we talked about that first game right on the road against the Chicago Bears, are, are they a team that you rate as six and a half points better on the road than the Chicago Bears? I have my reservations about something like that. A road game early on against the Denver Broncos will test you. Uh, and then you look at the rest of the schedule, especially after the bye week. Yes, you get the Chargers at Saints at home and the Buccaneers at home. But those are extremely, extremely tough matchups, even if you're playing at home. And then again, remember that we have more and more evidence that home field is really worth almost nothing. So even if you get those teams at home, we're talking about one to one and a half points worth of value playing on your home field. So even though you could say, well, we get the Bucks at home, well, it might not really matter that much because playing at home hasn't really been worth that much. And then you get to these other, again, we call them coin flip spots, and those are important because those games can go either way. And yes, they can go for the positive, but they can also, as we saw with the Minnesota Vikings, overwhelmingly go to the negative, especially when you don't have the right decision makers, i.e. maybe a developing quarterback. Dolphins at home probably be, I would assume, 
a pretty close to a coin flip spot given how much the market has respect for the Dolphins and how much they could potentially develop down the road. Um, games against the Chargers at home, as we talked about, the Saints, those are some highly power-rated teams. Those are going to be some really tough spots. So again, like for me, the big picture on the NFC West Really, this is the this is like the, the linchpin, right? This is the one. There's the San Francisco 49ers. I think the gap between the Rams and the rest of the division could be pretty wide, but only if the 49ers are kind of what I expect them to be, which is a team that has some positive pieces, but a somewhat tough schedule and a quarterback that we really don't know anything about. And Trey Lance, hey, he could hit the ground running, kind of like Patrick Mahomes did in his second year. We only saw one game of Patrick Mahomes' rookie year. Takes off, and he's absolutely tremendous. But for me, it's just such a big unknown for San Francisco, and I tend to think, after a short sample size of what we saw from Trey Lance, that it's going to be a little bit more toward the negative than the positive. All right, we'll get back to the NFC West in about 15 minutes. On the other side, though, we switch gears back to college football. Matt Humans joins us next. This is the Football Betting Guy with Jonathan Von Tobel. Ice cold beers, cold hard cash. Join the action on the pitch with the Heineken 2022 Soccer Prediction Challenge. Compete in 20 free-to-play pools this season for your shot at a share of $100,000 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Heineken now to start your run at victory. Heineken, beer made better. 21 and over only, terms and conditions, and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. And speaking of beer and drinking responsibly, Matt Eumanns is nice enough to give us some time today after uh, celebrating one of his favorite events on the sports calendar, the Open. What's up, man? How was the morning? Yeah, the British Open, it, was, uh, it is one of my favorite events on the calendar. You're, you're right about that. I was out early this morning with a bunch of guys uh, watching this tournament and uh, JVT. It turned out pretty well, and I was not shocked by the result because, um, let's face it, if, if you follow golf and if you bet golf, in the last couple of years, the leader going into the final round rarely wins a tournament. And uh, I was hoping that Cameron Smith would make a big run today in the final round, and that's actually uh, what happened. And uh, I, yeah, I'm going to say this. I think Rory McIlroy played well enough to win. He really did. He stood. I think he stood on the 10th tee with a three-stroke lead. He never made a bogey on the back nine, and he lost by two strokes. Yep. It's not like he choked. It's not like he lost it. Cameron Smith made, uh, I think, four birdies in a row to win that tournament, and you just have to tip your cap to a guy like that. And a lot of times, and this is a lesson for golf betters, a lot of times the guy who's chasing is a better bet than the guy who's got a three-stroke lead because the guy who's chasing is more aggressive and he's trying to win the tournament, and the guy who has a three-stroke lead is just trying to protect his lead and win the tournament. And unfortunately for Rory, I, I don't want to say anything negative about the way Rory played. I just think um, the bottom line is the guy who was chasing was more aggressive, and that's why he won. Yep. Uh, five consecutive birdies once he got to the back nine, Cam Smith. Birdies yeah. up 10 yeah. through 14, and then, of course, birdies the final hole to essentially lock it up for himself. and. Gets that victory. All right, so it is the football betting show, Matt. Uh, one of the latest endeavors that I have here on the uh, the <laughs> network. Uh, so let's talk a little football. Uh, college football win totals. Could we do both here? Uh, you just put this up up on vcin.com. Five win totals uh, that you have bet here up to this point. So I wanted to start uh, with 
I actually want to start with a team that I'm pretty interested in. Oklahoma. Uh, win total set at 9.5. Uh, under, I think, is about minus 120. And you wrote about them. You have a win total on them. We were actually previewing the ACC and the loss of Brent Venables for that defense for Clemson. But what do you make of his first year here for the Sooners and what you expect from them and what you played? Yeah, I don't want to give away too much because you and I are going to uh, start to unveil the Edge College Football Preseason Top 40 on Monday's show. And um, Oklahoma is obviously going to be in the top 10. But I, I rank Oklahoma lower than most people. And I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't think Brent, ben, Brent Venables is going to be the um, the answer at head coach for Oklahoma. And, you know, a lot of that has to do with a lot of the stories I know about him and his background. But it's also, if you think about the quarterback situation at Oklahoma last year and and what Sooners are dealing with this year, it's a totally different situation. I think this nine-and-a-half win total has a lot to do with uh, past perceptions of Oklahoma. Hey, this is not the Lincoln-Riley offense. This is not the same program that Lincoln-Riley had put together. And if you look at their schedule, the Big 12 has a lot of tough games out there for the Sooners on, at home and on the road. And I think nine and a half is a great bet under. Because if, uh, if you think about it, 10 and 2 has got to beat you. I don't think this Oklahoma team has any chance. I'm not, I'm not going to say no chance, but almost no chance of going 10 and 2. So if you can still find that under nine and a half out there, I think uh, you have to play that o- Oklahoma under nine and a half. And you and I are going to talk about a bunch of our college football season win total bets on tomorrow's show because I've got seven or eight that I really like. And Oklahoma under nine and a half is one of those. Yeah, speaking of uh, those home games that humans has mentioned, November 5th, they have a home game against Baylor, Oklahoma State, not to mention the neutral site game, as we know, against Texas, which is uh, always a little bit tighter uh, than people give it credit for. All right, we go from there uh, to another win total we got. Let's go to the... Uh, very, very much followed Mountain West Conference. But I wanted to bring this up because I'm writing the Mountain West Conference preview. Also, number 40 on our edge top 40 is Fresno State. Um, win total of 2.5 for New Mexico. This is a team that I believed in last year, Matt. If you remember the year before that, had to deal with a lot of adversity because of COVID. We're practicing in ballroom gyms. Still performed really well. Last year did not go as well. Really low win total of 2.5 here. And it seems that you have some belief here the Lobos could outperform a really small win total. Yeah, this is something you and I are going to talk a lot about on the uh, Monday show, but I love this Fresno team, man. I really do. And Jeff Tedford is back from a brief retirement. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you think about the quarterbacks on the West Coast, who were the best and the uh, the toughest competitors last season, Jake Hayner, I think he's going to be at the top of your list. Don't forget about the way he beat UCLA on the road. Uh so if you look at Fresno State, I think uh, that's a team that's really being un- undervalued by a lot of people right now. The Fresno State win total is at eight and a half. I like that over. I, I do think the front half of the Fresno uh, schedule is tough. So you have to be, I think you, you have to be a little bit, uh, I think, top-minded in the way you deal with this thing. Because if you look at the Fresno State win total, you think, oh, my God, we're going to win a couple games early. But Fresno should finish the season with about a seven-game win streak. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a team on the West Coast that's uh, being underrated by a lot of people. Jeff Tepfer, Jake Hayner, if you're going to bet win totals, you want to bet on the best coaches, you want to bet on the best quarterbacks, 
And uh, Fresno State, to me, is the top-rated team in the Mountain West Conference. Yep, Wyoming, Nevada. This is backwards, actually, so for the last wink. Uh, so we'll start right. after San Diego State. Hawaii, UNLV, Nevada, and Wyoming, at the very least, should be able to win out their last four games and uh, go from there. New Mexico, part of that, too. And New Mexico is part of that schedule, Matt. Two and a half. Were you on there over, New Mexico? I did. And uh, when I bet season win totals, JVT, I bet a lot of times I bet on coaches and quarterbacks. And in this case, it's bet on coaches. I love Danny Gonzalez and Rocky Long, the combination for New Mexico. If you look at the schedule, it's not too far-fetched that the uh, Lobos can win three or four or five games on this schedule. The win total is two and a half, and the overs plus money. This is my sleeper team. If you think about two years ago in the Mountain West, a lot of people thought, wow, this New Mexico team's making a lot of strides. Well, yeah, they took some step backs. The Lobos did last year. But if you look at the schedule this year, I think it's easily – uh, conceivable that the Lobos can win three, four, or five games. And um, you know, a lot of times when you bet season win totals, you're going to bet on the coaches you like, the quarterbacks you like. You're going to bet over low win totals and under high win totals, and that's what I'm looking to do here with the Lobos. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, we were just talking with Steve Mackinan in the first hour. Uh, he was talking about like the gap that has kind of emerged, at least with his ratings, yeah. between the top teams yeah. in college football and the rest of them. One of those top teams, of course, Alabama. And I think you are uh, relative, as high as you can be on Alabama. You are on them, at least surpassing their win total. Some spots, it's pretty low, 10.5, but you're laying a good price. Well, DraftKings has 10.5. Most books have posted 11.5. Uh, and I will say this. I will be stunned if, if – I will be absolutely stunned if Alabama does not win at least 10 games and be 10-2. and two. So lay the price. Alabama minus I, – I lay minus 225. Right now it's up minus 255. Alabama's got the best quarterback, Bryce Young, the best defensive player, Will Anderson, in the nation. The depth is incredible. The schedule, JVT, lays out where Alabama's going to be at least a 14-point favorite in every game. Yep. How do you not bet that team over the total of 10.5? Yeah, I want to allow for a little margin of error, maybe an upset. So uh, instead of playing over 11.5, I'm going to play over 10.5. I'm going to lay the extra juice of minus 250. Matt, it's good to talk to you, man. Thanks for the time today. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you tomorrow. You bet, buddy. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Matt Humans. I'm Matt Humans 24-7. Yeah, some of the games for uh, Alabama, obviously, he's referring to, but you would assume, some of the tougher matchups, but still, uh, Texas, Tennessee. Uh, these are road games, by the way. LSU, Ole Miss, as we have seen in these projected spreads, uh, very much, very much projected uh, as a heavy favorite in all of those games. And he also brings up Will Anderson, which I don't know if anybody remembers, but the last show we had right before uh, we kind of had a little hiatus for me here on the Sunday shows um, was uh, we were talking about Will, uh, Will Anderson as a Heisman candidate potentially. And uh, Aaron Moore, who's a contributor on Points Play Weekly, brought him up to potentially do just that. And Will, um, uh, Matt brought that up as well. Will Anderson and him to keep out on because everybody knows who he is. But for a defensive player to win this award and for there to be a real traction behind it, be something interesting. You can find out more of Human's win total bets, by the way, up on the website, vcin.com. Uh, also, as he uh, mentioned, Fresno State, the 40th team in our Edge Top 40, which gets unveiled tomorrow. We begin with our honorable mentions and the 40th ranked team. That'll be at 1 p.m. Pacific time. All right, we'll wrap up the show, the first episode of the Football Betting Guide. We wrap up the NFC West. I got one more note in the San Francisco 49ers when it comes to their win total, tying to what we talked about with Steve Mackinnon, and also, of course, valuations of the Arizona Cardinals and Seattle Seahawks as we get out of here on this Sunday. 
is the football betting guy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Jonathan Von Tobel. Last couple of minutes, a reminder for the you, though, before we get out of here, make sure you check out the VSIN Summer Special. Only $19 is going to get you a subscription through July 31st. Well, what does that get, John? I'll tell you what. It gets you daily best bets. It includes Adam Burke's daily Major League Baseball best bets. NFL preseason coverage. If you're asking preseason coverage, it begins in less than three weeks. Come on. Um, I think it's three weeks exactly, actually. Uh, no, it starts on Thursday. I'm doing this all in my head, off the top. UFC, USFL, NASCAR coverage as well. And if you want the full VEASAN experience that features daily best bets, email every edition of Point Spread Weekly. Use of our betting tools and a live video stream whenever you want it. Cost is only 19 bucks. To be a subscriber for July 31st, sign up now at VEASAN.com slash summer. July 31st is approaching. Summer, Steve Mackinnon, I don't know if he said this on the air or off the air, uh, but regardless, I will uh, say it. Summer's flying, man. I don't know if it's everything that's gone on with the NBA and the coverage we've had to do all the way through the Summer League, which ended uh, today. I think there's one game left. Congratulations to the Portland Trailblazers. Um, but, yeah, summer's flying. Football season is here, folks. That's why we got this show started. So let's resume our conversation. We wrap up our division preview, the NFC West. So the San Francisco 49ers, I wanted to put the last little thing on this before we move on to the two teams that are left in the division. And that would be this, that there are a few win totals that I have circled and or played San Francisco under their win total is one that I have played. I just don't know where we're getting this confidence from. And here's the thing. Where I could potentially get burned here is that Jimmy Garoppolo ends up being the starting quarterback. They work on whatever they do. They don't want to move on with Trey Lance, even though all indications are that Trey Lance is the guy who's move forward here. But crazier things have happened. And Garoppolo, again, maximizes a roster that he's familiar with and a system that he's familiar with. And they end up being division winner or second best team in the division, pushing for 10, 11 wins, whatever it is. Having said that, though, even if it is Jimmy Garoppolo, let's say I get burned and Garoppolo's the guy for some reason, whatever happens, starting in week one for the San Francisco 49ers. We went through the numbers earlier today. Turnover-worthy play rate's extremely high for Jimmy Garoppolo. He's not really a downfield, big-time throw type of guy, so you're not going to maximize like a big play type of thing. I, I still think there's a very strong argument to be made here that while he's a winner, most of that winning comes from Kyle Shanahan's ability to call an offense and not so much his play, which at times has held this team back, I would still not think I'm dead in terms of that play. But I still think allowing, thinking this team going under their win total of 10, uh, when you're laying a price in the range of like minus 150 or something, an investment worth making it at this point when it comes to betting the San Francisco 49ers under their win total. So with that, let's talk about the other teams that are, of course, in this division. We start with the Arizona Cardinals. And after a very successful season, the Arizona Cardinals, um, it is, I think, probably odd for some people to look at Arizona 
and the way that they ended last year for a record standpoint, when we're talking about 11 and six, um, and say, well, they're the third choice. It'd be the four to one to win this division. What's going on here? First off, the big name that's not going to be there at the start of the year, six games for DeAndre Hopkins hurts this offense as a whole. And then you look at what you're expecting from this team and specifically Kyler Murray. And you wonder if you're going to get first half of the season, Kyler Murray, or as we all know, second half of the season, Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals, a team which tends to drop off as the season progresses. And whether that's the way they coach things or whether it's something with Tyler, uh, Kyler Murray's play, it is something to note. If you go from week 14 on for Kyler Murray, uh, multi-touchdown passing games, just one, that was a week 17 matchup on the road against the Dallas Cowboys, and he only threw two in that game. The rest, he either threw one touchdown or none. That's, I think, something you need a little bit more if you're talking about wanting a team to win a division. Uh, the Cardinals' offense is going to be down a little bit without Hopkins, who is, uh, I think, a, a solid missing piece. I think we, there's indications that DeAndre Hopkins has fallen off here a little bit, but I do think you wonder if last year they hit on everything in terms of winning close games at the beginning of the year and maybe, for lack of a better term, were a little bit lucky. And you evaluate their schedule as you move forward with Arizona, and you realize, again, kind of focusing on Nazi on this word, but still on some of these coin flip spots. On the road against the Las Vegas Raiders, it's not going to be more, I would assume, that's not going to be more than a coin flip spot. And I know Westgate Superbook projected a lot of these lines, so I'll have to see if that's going to be the case. And even by the time we get to week two, that line could change. But power rating is not that much different by my measure between the Arizona Cardinals and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, we talked about the opening game against the Kansas City Chiefs, which they are in a very tough spot when you talk about what their schedule looks like there. And the rest of it going forward. Home game against the Saints. You get road games against the Vikings. Chargers on this schedule as well. The Patriots, which are a team that are very similarly power-rated to them. Having to go late in the season on the road against the Broncos, coming back home against the Buccaneers. When you talk about eight and a half wins and whether this team is going to be nine and eight or a little bit better, when we know that Kyler Murray in the second half of these seasons has regressed and this team has regressed as a whole, when you evaluate the second half of their schedule and realize like road game against the Rams with the 49ers at home, against the Chargers, and the way that schedule breaks down from about week 10 and on, this is a really daunting task, I think, for a team like the Arizona Cardinals to come up and win those nine-plus games, go over their win total, and even at a price tag of about 4-1 to one or so, win the NFC West. I, I don't really think a lot of Arizona like in terms of being a contender. Last year, I thought they were a team that was fraudulent, as fraudulent as you can be as an 11-win team when you evaluated them from multiple standpoints in terms of their metrics. And I think now as you go into next year, given the fact that you're going to be missing a relatively important piece at the beginning of the year, given what we know about Kyler Murray and what he what we've seen from him, especially when it came to him as a passer as the year progressed, I do think there are real questions about this Cardinals team and whether or not they're going to be able to post a winning record. And for me, it will be looking at this team to go under their win total as you move forward. And then you get to the last team. And I'm fast, I'm really am. I'm fascinated by the Seattle Seahawks because they could be like really bad. We know that this is a team that if you read the quotes and in it's not to say that any team is going to come out and say, yeah, we're going to stink. But the Seahawks seem, more than others, very much confident in this roster being much better than what the perception is about them. I would argue that that's not the case, especially when you start with the most important position, which is quarterback, and what you would perceive to be the guy who's going to win the job in the younger guy in Drew Locke. And what we know Drew Locke is, well, it's not really great. In his three years as a quarterback for the Denver Broncos, one season, his career high, that was 2020, uh, he had 443 attempts, 484 dropbacks, no higher from a PFF standpoint. It's only one spot, but still no higher than a 63.4 passing grade. If you go back to that year, he threw 16 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. He has been 
somewhat turnover-worthy prone in his play, especially the two years which he played most, but specifically that 2020 year, which he committed a turnover-worthy play on 4.5% of his attempts. If we're talking about him in terms of concepts, even off of play action, he hasn't been a very effective quarterback, and last year was very largely ineffective. And when you're talking about some other aspects in terms of pressure as a quarterback, and some, yes, quarterbacks are relatively poor under pressure, but Locke was especially poor under pressure as his career has gone along, and especially last season where he threw one touchdown, two interceptions, and a very short sample size, albeit 6.4 yards per attempt, committing three turnover-worthy plays on 41 dropbacks under pressure. You just haven't really seen anything from Drew Locke that would make you think, hey, man, this is the starting quarterback of a team that is going to be, as the Seahawks believe it to be, competitive in this division. And you look at not only the rest of this roster, but the way their schedule breaks down. And even just look at that first column, right? And this was what stuck out to me when you, when you looked at their schedule on through week seven. The Broncos, 49ers on the road, home versus the Falcons, road games against the Lions and Saints, back home for the Cardinals before you hit the road once again for the Chargers. Like, even before their bye, the Seattle Seahawks, that is for a team power rated as such and for a quarterback rotation that currently sits at Drew Locke and Geno Smith, that is a murderer's row, I think, for a team like Seattle. And specifically, you could say that you trusted your defense, but there have been times where that secondary has been among the worst in the National Football League. Specifically, last year, they were picked apart by elite quarterbacks, especially when it came to throws intermediate or deeper downfield. We're talking about 20 or more yards, and I'm not sure they've gotten much better in that regard. I just don't see a path where we're talking about this team surpassing its win total, but that's why I think they're fascinating. I respect a lot of what Steve Mackinan does. And for a guy like him and his power ratings and projections, to have him as one of those teams that is projected to win more games by his standards than the win total than the market gives credit for, I think it's really interesting that there are some, and he's not the only one that I've read in terms of analysis on the Seahawks team, that they actually might be a little undervalued. But when we tie in what we've seen from them, what we talked about with our market power ratings and how I have that game against the Broncos circled the week one, a potential play against them, uh, I'm like it's an interesting team in that there seems to be a potential wide variety for a team that's got a win total of about five and a half, a wide variety of where this team could fall in. And then you add the wrinkle, which is something we open the show with. If that Jimmy Garoppolo becomes a free agent because he's released, the Seahawks somehow get him and then maximize what they have as a team and potentially get even better. So all in all, as we look at the NFC West, there is not a shot I want to take on the board outside of the Los Angeles Rams to win this division. I think the Rams are the clear winner of this division, especially if Trey Lance goes in the direction, which I believe he probably will when you look at some of what we saw from him last year. And if that's the case, there is a gap between, I think, the Rams and the rest of this division. Now, Trey Lance pans out, and I'm wrong about that. Obviously, this gets a little bit tighter. But for me, as we sit now, the Rams are right for winner of the NFC West, and uh, they could still win that with about 10 or 11 games, just given how uh, tough their schedule is going to be. With that, we are all done here on uh, the uh, Football Betting Guide. We made it through the show without calling it Harvard Handicapper, so that's a plus. Um, but regardless, we're going to be here every single Sunday. 3 o'clock is the time for those of you on the West Coast, 6 o'clock on the East Coast, as we get you ready for the football season, which is quickly approaching. Deep dives in both college and professional football. So very excited that we have undertaken this project, and we're going to have it going on. And remember, tomorrow, The Edge, one more college football, our top win totals, and, of course, we unveil what's kind of been a regular thing on the show, The Edge Top 40 the 40th best team according to the Edge pollsters. There's quite a few of them. With that, we are all done. You need some baseball talk as you head into the All-Star break of the Home Run Derby? Well, guys on the run line got you covered here on VCND Sports Betting Network.
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare <laughs> <laughs> 